0: Good morning and welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. My name is Craig. I'm the senior pastor this morning, and this morning we're going to talk a little bit about sharing that story that God's given to all of us who belong to Him. So uh, I'm just so grateful. If you're a guest with us this morning, it really means a lot to me that you would make time to be here with us. I would appreciate it if you'd fill out, excuse me, if you'd fill out the guest card that's in your worship folder, or you can do it online at malvernheal.org/connect. In just a minute we're going to turn, well you can go ahead and turn, but in a minute we're going to read from Acts chapter 24 verses 10 through 27. But before we get there, there's a couple things I'd like to mention. And the first thing is that on Thursday, this Thursday, uh, we have a group of folks from our church that are joining with folks from another church and are leaving for a mission trip to Scotland. We have seven from Malvern Hill that are going. There's seven from uh, Bethany Church in Westville. And we want to take just a minute, uh, some of them are in the early service, but there's some of those folks that are going on that Scotland trip that are in here with us this morning. So if you are um, going on that trip leaving Thursday, I know that Brian's in here. Would you stand real quick? I just want to take a minute to recognize you and to pray over you all. There's somebody in the balcony, I think, It's what I was just told. Look at you. You're just sticking out like a sore thumb, Brian. We're just proud of you. So, um, always, yeah. Brian is leading that trip for us, and uh, Dylan's in the balcony. So, uh, let's just take a minute and pray. There's seven folks from our church that will be participating in that. So, I just want to pray for you guys. Lord God, thank you so much that you've given us the call and the opportunity and the privilege to go on mission. I pray for these that will be going. Lord, I pray, that, I pray for their going and their staying. Lord God, I pray for the message that we preached and shared. Lord, I, I pray for the, the, the evangelism efforts that will take place. Lord, I pray that even as they just try to be the hands and feet of Jesus in communities, as they're trying to strengthen churches there and and engage in other evangelistic activities in Scotland, God, in and around Edinburgh. Pray, Lord God, that you would bless their efforts. Pray for um, Brother Rob that they'll be working with and the Herald's Trust and others that they'll be partnering with. And pray, Lord God, that you would just go ahead of them. Prepare the way, Lord God, keep them safe. Help them have words to share and to impact Scotland. Lord, I pray not just that, but I pray that the passion that they experience and the opportunities they have, they would be able to bring back and impact their community here. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, quick note, I didn't mention this in the early service, but on November the 5th, which I know is a long way off, but uh, we're going to have a big Mission Emphasis Sunday, a Mission Emphasis um, service on a Sunday evening in early November. So I, I hope that you'll jot that down on your calendar. You'll hear a little bit about Scotland, you'll hear about Latvia, you'll hear about some of the things our children have done and teenagers have done. Should just be a great time. I hope that you'll be a part of that with us. Uh, the only other thing to mention is we have life group fellowships this weekend. I think some of the life groups have already had some things. Others have some this afternoon if you're part of our church or if you visited our church you're not sure you want to be part of our church I just want to encourage you life groups the lifeblood of our church that's where you're going to build relationships and community if you don't have one please see Pastor Kevin. He's the guy with the guitar. Uh, See him before you leave this morning. He would love to help you figure out where you might fit in. And if you don't want to talk to him, that's okay. Lean over to the person beside you and say, do you have a life group and can I come with you? Matter of fact, how about we do this? If you have a life group and the person beside you doesn't have one, why don't you invite them before you leave this morning to join you in life group next Sunday? All right. having said those things, hopefully you've made it to Acts chapter 24. And before I have you stand, I just want to catch you up to where we are because we're actually skipping. We've been in the book of Acts and we're just in acts for a few more weeks and then after we finish the book of Acts we're going to do the Ten Commandments together but um, we we've made it to a point where Paul was arrested if you'll recall that and so we talked about Paul's arrest last week and then there's about 20 verses in here that we're going to kind of breeze through and it's the story of Paul after his arrest being carted away from Jerusalem to Caesarea where Felix the governor is um, is is in residence there so back Basically, what happens is there's a threat to Paul's life, and as a result of that, they decide that it's best if they get Paul out of Jerusalem, and they send Paul with a, a 500 soldiers on the way, about a 55-mile trip from Jerusalem to Caesarea, and it's there that Paul goes on trial again. So Paul is just from trial to trial to trial, and in the first nine verses of Acts chapter 24, we hear the Jews make their case against Paul again, and they do it before Felix the governor. Where we pick up this morning is in verse 10, and we're going to hear Paul make his case before Felix. And we're going to tie that in this morning with exactly how it is that we can know our audience as we seek to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. And we're going to read beginning in verse 10, and we're going to go all the way through to the end of the chapter, which is verse 27. Here now, for this is God's Word. Knowing that for many years, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped, Uh, let's start over. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than twelve days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. And they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they are now bring up, uh, bring up against me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in a God, With these men themsel- which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation, should they have anything against me, or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day." But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was, a Jewish, or who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul, so he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Let's pray one more time. Father God, your word is alive. We believe that because it tells us that, Father. And we pray today that this living word would jump off these pages, Father God, and take up residence in our hearts and bring us life and fire and passion. In Jesus' name, amen. D.L. Moody was a famous evangelist, um, uh, among other things, in the late 1800s, D.L. Moody served as a chaplain with the Union Army during the Confederacy. He then went on and uh, was an evangelist not only in the United States, he was an evangelist across the Atlantic Ocean in Great Britain. One of the things that he did was implemented a lot of different and sometimes new techniques and tactics in his preaching and in his evangelistic efforts. One day, a lady approached D.L. Moody, and she said, Mr. Moody, I really don't like the way you share the gospel. I I don't think it's appropriate. And he said to her, he said, Ma'am, truthfully, I don't always like the way I do it either. I've been trying to make it better. Tell me, how do you do it? She said, Well, I don't, but I don't like the way you do it. D.L. Moody said, Well, I like the way I do it better than the way you don't do it. Listen, I want to begin today, before we get into some nuts and bolts about how you can more effectively share the gospel, I want to begin with this. Just do it. At some point, we just have to acknowledge that that we have to be faithful in proclaiming the good news of the gospel and trust the Lord with, with the results. So if... If, at any point in time, you hear me preaching about methods to evangelism or, or effective ways that you might share the gospel, and you walk out just feeling burdened down and overwhelmed, I want to remove that from you today. I don't want you to walk away feeling beat up. I want you to fall out. What? Fall out. What? I don't want you to fall out. Y'all, I'm already speaking better than I did in the first service. It was really bad, so if I make any kind of mistake, y'all just forget it and move on. I don't want you to fall out, but I do want you to walk out feeling empowered. Empowered to more effectively communicate God's Word with the world around you. And I believe that we can see some aspects of that right here in the book of Acts in chapter 24. Now, Paul, Paul understands very well what Peter is going to write about later in 1 Peter 3.15, which is that we should always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that lives within us. Now, Paul experiences this in a very legal kind of way, giving a defense literally in a, a sort of court of law, as it were. For most of us, most of you, you're never going to be called to give a defense for your faith in a court of law. Instead, you're going to be called to give an account of your faith before a court of public opinion or perhaps the court of your family or perhaps just the court of a friend who's interested to know why in the world it is that you spend so much time With the people of God and the things of God. Why would you give money to those sorts of things? And how is it that God has had an impact in your life? This morning, I want to help you to figure out how it is that you might more effectively share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul has sort of a pattern. And what happens in Paul's pattern right here as he stands before Felix is it gets... A little bit of a monkey wrench thrown into it. Now, Paul, again, remember, has already been on trial for this same thing a couple of times at this point. It's like just boom, 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 over and over and over again. And the last time, he found himself in a room with a lot of Jewish religious leaders. And he, he was trying to find a way out. And so Paul just blurts out, I'm only here because of the resurrection of the dead. Well, that room was divided between Pharisees and Sadducees. Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. That's why they were sad, you see. right? Um, That's a Buster Morris joke, uh, so blame him. Um, (laughs) That was actually good for Buster. All right, moving on. So they were sad, sad. but the Pharisees did believe in the resurrection, okay? And they were at one another's throat about this. And so Paul just goes, oh, I'm a Pharisee, and they're just out to get me. Here's, Here's a sermon that you just take and run with, right? In that room, all of a sudden, they were more concerned They were more concerned with beating the opposition than they were with actually finding the truth. Y'all let that settle on you for our cultural moment. Moving on. Um, So when he finds himself before Felix, Paul tries the same plan here. He says, well, I'm just here because of the resurrection of the dead. There's a problem. And the Bible tells us that And the second part of this passage where it says Felix was affiliated with the way, that is with the Christians. And so he wasn't going to be so easily fleeced. And what happens is that in this moment, Paul has to find a different way. In other words, Paul has to figure out who his audience is if he's going to effectively communicate with these folks. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to know your audience so that you can more effectively communicate the good news of the gospel. So the first step in that process of how it is that you're going to communicate the gospel is to establish a personal connection. Establish a personal connection. Now look, Paul does this right here in verse 10. He says, when the governor had nodded for him to speak, Paul replied, knowing that for many years you've been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. Paul says, man, you're the man, Felix, and I'm so excited that I could be right here with you. Y'all, when we get ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to try to connect with people personally because we need to remember you are sharing the gospel with an image-bearer of God. You're sharing the gospel with an image-bearer of God. This is a person, a real person created in God's image. Do you know that even if that person disagrees with you about everything on planet Earth, that is still a person created in the image of God? If that person is an out loud, outspoken, pro-choice abortionist, that person is still created in the image of God. If that person looks different than you, that person is still created in the image of God. If that person speaks different than you, that person is still created in the image of God. And as a result, they deserve for us to speak to them as if they are what they are, which is an image bearer of God. This is who you're sharing the gospel with. I need you to remember that. Try to establish personal connections with these folks, right? We don't just share the gospel to notch our belt. I need to know a little something. You might ask a question. I know it's kind of crazy, but before you just jump into a full-throated, full-throated gospel presentation, you might ask their name. You might ask what they do for fun. You might discover that this is fun for you. A while back, uh, well, actually just recently, I... I uh, met somebody in this community. He was serving me in a restaurant. I offered to pray with him. I said, hey, man, what, what, what do you do for fun? He said, you ready for this? He said, I am training to be a professional wrestler. I said, well, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Did not see that one coming. I didn't. But, but, but I was excited at this point. Maybe I could train to be a professional wrestler. You know? I was bigger than this guy. I felt like I had a chance. I'm not. Right? He's young. He bounces. I, I, I just fall. Um, but... You know, I was able, I, I, ran, I saw that guy last week. I didn't get a chance to speak to him, but uh, I was actually with some guys from the church. I said, hey, y'all see that guy? Y'all know what he does? He's trained to be a professional wrestler. Well, I'm praying for this guy. I've got a personal connection. The next time I see him, I can immediately kick off from there. I didn't get to share a full gospel presentation with that guy, but I did get to establish a connection so that I can connect a little bit deeper the next time. If you're, going to emph- if you're going to change the world with the gospel one person at a time, we've got to see people as image bearers of God, and we've got to establish personal connections with them. We also, in this process, need to emphasize empathy and kindness in our gospel presentations. Emphasize empathy and kindness. Paul says that you've been a judge over this nation. I cheerfully make my defense. I, I want to remind you this morning that Paul was speaking to A man who was a representative of the government that was inhabiting his homeland Paul is basically speaking to the enemy at least politically and culturally but Paul was not willing to go any further than what he did he's engaging with this guy at an empathetic and a kind joyful even level we've got to resist the temptation to channel our culture's anger. Like right now, we live in a very angry time within our culture. And if we're not careful, we as followers of Jesus can just take that anger and just channel it outward, right? So, well, they're coming for our children, so who do they think they are? Well, has it ever occurred to you that maybe rather than enemies who are coming for your children, these are people who are desperately in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you see the world around you as a war zone that you've got to overcome? Or do you see the world around you as a mission field that needs to be redeemed with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? When we talk about being empathetic towards people around us, there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. There's a lot of you that are very sympathetic towards Angela because she's married to me. I get it, right? So you go, wow, bless her heart, right? That's that southernism that's not as nice as it sounds. But empathy, so sympathy says I feel sorry for you. A lot of y'all feel sympathy for Angela. Very few of y'all are empathetic towards her because that means that you actually want to walk a mile in their shoes. No, no, she's got this. We'll pray for you, but please don't ask us to do that. You know, don't, don't, don't get us into that mess. We've got to be empathetic with the world around us. Be empathetic. Look at the folks around you and consider why they are where they are or how they are or in the situation they're in. Try your best to understand things from their perspective and share the good news of Jesus not as a weapon aimed at them, but as an invitation to salvation in Jesus Christ. These are not people that need to be overcome and defeated. These are people that need to be redeemed loss that needs to be found, death that needs to be brought to life. Establish a personal connection, and remember these are real people. The second thing this morning is I want you to speak the truth in love. Now, look, Paul didn't wait too long to get to the truth. If you have your Bibles, you can look with me. Uh, We get about ten verses before Paul gets to the gospel, before he gets to the resurrection, Okay? He doesn't get to give the full-throated gospel presentation that he would like to, without a shadow of a doubt. He'd like to go more. But look, he said, I cried out with them It is with respect to the resurrection of the dead. Okay? Before we even get there, we've got I have hope in God in which th- these men themselves accept. Um, that There will be a resurrection, so I always take pains of this. So Paul is regularly trying to make his way towards the gospel. He's trying to get there. Y'all, we've got to speak the truth. And I would encourage you to always speak truth and get there as quick as you can. But look, with love and with patience. With love and with patience. Paul's trying to get to the gospel, but he's patiently trying to get there. Okay? He's taking his time. Um, I, 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 I want to remind you that evangelism is not a competition, it's not. We're not competing with the whole world to see how fast I can get the gospel thrown out there and how quickly and then just run away from it. You know, I I hope that that you will have an opportunity sometime in your life to to just share the gospel with somebody at a gas pump, right? Great. Like, it's wonderful. It's okay to give somebody a track. If you want to go and, and, and share the gospel in the street corner, by all means, go. But I want to remind you that most of your evangelistic opportunities are around you week in and week out. One of the dangerous things, so we got a group that's going to Scotland, and one of the dangerous things about international mission trips is what? Is the, or any mission trip, not just international. One of the dangerous things is that we begin to believe the mission is out there instead of right here. Right? That's why, as, as I prayed earlier, one of the things that if, if Brian got up here and shared some of his testimony, he would share about how by getting him somewhere else he realized he needed to be bringing the gospel right here in his backyard. Like that, that was a big deal. That's why that's part of my prayer for our mission teams that they go and they share the gospel, but they bring that zeal back and they share it with the community around them. But we do it not to sort of notch a belt. It's not a competition. It's a loving, patient, truth proclamation with real people. Real people. Okay? I'm not trying to beat you with the gospel. I'm trying to invite you to Christ. So Paul gets there, but look, he doesn't get all the way there. Do you know that sometimes you're going to speak the truth and it's going to require love and patience? Sometimes it's going to require patience because you're trying to speak the truth with family members who aren't all that interested in hearing the truth. And so you're literally just sharing a little bit at a time. Some of your evangelistic efforts are going to occasionally be like looking at a family member and saying, I understand that you and I disagree about a whole lot of things, but I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. See, sometimes our evangelistic efforts are a lot more about talking to Jesus about somebody than talking to somebody about Jesus. Because some folks aren't going to hear it. But Jesus is always listening, you understand? And we can trust Him to work. So we've got to be loving and patient, but we've got to speak the truth. But it's not just that we speak the truth with love and patience. We also work diligently to keep the main thing the main thing. Let me tell you what evangelism is not. Evangelism is not converting somebody to your way of thinking or to your political party or, or to your particular sort of uh, church style or worship method. We've got to win people to Jesus, not to young earth creationism or to our brand of soteriology. We've got to win people to Jesus, not to our particular theological convictions. We need to win people to Jesus, not to Malvern Hill Baptist Church. I hope that folks are interested in being a part of Malvern Hill, and I hope that you're able to bring them with you here where they can be discipled and they can grow in Christ. But the possibility exists that you'll share the gospel with somebody one day, and, they'll say, and you'll say, Well, I'd love for you to come to church with me. I go, Well, you know, I, 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 that Craig Thompson's a jerk. I'm not going there. And you're going to go, Yeah, I agree, he is. But everybody else is really nice. You ought to give it a try. Right? The possibility exists that there's just going to be reasons. But our goal, our goal, is to keep the main thing the main thing. Let's be really careful that you're not so interested in converting somebody, as we were talking about in the life group, that you're not so interested in converting somebody to your position on gun control that you allow that to get in the way of the gospel. Listen, this is what evangelism is. It is the proclamation of the evangel. And that's just the word that we have, That, that what evangel is... In English is what? The gospel, the good news. If we're not seeking to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're not proclaiming the good news. Putting a a political campaign sign in your yard is not somehow witnessing for Christ. Right? Trying to convert somebody to your political position is not witnessing for Jesus. Side note, we'll just do this one for fun. You ready? <laughs> the idea that we have to be politically homogenous to love Jesus is not actually in line with the scripture either. That one's just for fun. Y'all take that one home with you. Um, nobody laughed. That's a problem. Hold on, serious moment. You ready? It's a problem when we can't say those things and y'all laugh because we're too uncomfortable. Before we take the Lord's Supper, let me just explain what politics should be. Politics should come past our religious convictions. See, we generally speak about religious convictions being pre-philosophical. Historically, this has been the case. So so that is, our religious convictions become the worldview that underlies who we are. And that we seek to live those things out with the other things we do in our life. There's been a shifting of that in American culture. And even within evangelicalism, To such a degree that our politics are driving our our spiritual beliefs. We got to get to a place where we can be Democrat and Republican and still love Jesus. Because Jesus has got to be bigger than all that. Some of the reason that we're not effectively impacting our culture with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is because evangelical has become a voting block instead of a spiritual conviction. We would be far better served to see a church filled with sinners being led to Jesus than with converting somebody to a political affiliation. Let me just explain it. America won't be saved by a politician. The only hope It's for the gospel of Jesus Christ to permeate hearts and lives. And so for goodness sakes, the next time I make a political joke, laugh about it. (laughs) Man, where were we? Oh, we're almost to the good part. It's going to be great. We got to keep the main thing the main thing. Okay, And, and... It's not gospel proclamation unless the gospel is there. And it's not evangelism unless the gospel is there. Part of the patient efforts in that may mean that we're spending a long time with somebody trying our best to get the gospel to them. I've got a a person that I do some business with and and this person is not a believer, not, not a believer at all. Um, and we have a, a fun but sort of contentious relationship. And I was there uh, a while back and, and paying, and, and this person was just giving me a hard time. I said, I don't know why I pay you for this. You realize that I'm paying you to get on my nerves. This doesn't make good sense. The response was, well, I must do a really good job because you keep coming back. And, man, I had the perfect opportunity. Ready? I looked. I said, has it ever occurred to you that maybe I'm not here because of the job you do? Or, or, or anything else? You realize that I pay you more than I could get this done other places. Has it ever occurred to you that I'm here because of you? Because I desire to share something with you that's bigger than this? Man, what a wonderful opportunity, right? What a great chance. Those opportunities exist in the world around us. If we're willing to see people, not as projects, but as people. And if we're willing to be patient with our proclamation of the truth. We've got to speak the truth with love and patience. But then finally this morning, we have to rest in our obedience and in God's sovereignty. The Great Commission is great. Obviously. And it gives us the command and the opportunity to go and to carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with all nations. To all nations. It's a privilege and an opportunity. Hey, our kids are coming in because going to, we're going to serve the Lord's Supper in just a minute. So y'all, y'all come on in. Y'all are good. Um, but but Watch. Once I've shared the good news of the gospel, to some degree, I've got to be willing to just rest in the fact that I was obedient and that God is sovereign and, and he can handle his own business. He doesn't need me to do his things for him. I've got to do my part and trust him to do his part. Now, resting in our obedience and God's sovereignty doesn't mean that I get to sort of strut around like a rooster going, uh-huh, I shared the gospel with you, so I, it doesn't matter what happens, you know I did my job. I, that, that's not the way we do this. You know, well, I told him, he didn't listen. You know, we, we don't get to be like that angry parent when the kid falls off their bike. You know, that frustrate, I, I told you. You know, you, no, 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 no. We share in love. But we rest in God's sovereign obedience. Or excuse me, we rest, we share the truth in obedience. We rest in God's sovereignty. But part of the reason we do that is because we acknowledge that evangelism is spiritual warfare. And, and let me just explain something to you. Sometimes in spiritual warfare, the best thing, the best outcome we can hope for is just to still be standing when it's all said and done. We're going to throw a verse up there on the Scripture on the screen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. This is in Paul's part of Paul's sort of armor of God uh, piece in Ephesians. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God... That you may be able to withstand the evil in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Part of resting in God's sovereignty is recognizing that evangelism is spiritual warfare. And there are days when all we can hope to do is to share the good news and to still be standing when it's all said and done. Why? Because I have to trust in the Lord's ability to save. In God's power to save. And so it's appropriate this morning that we would turn our attention to the Lord's Supper. Because it's in the Lord's Supper that we rest in the shed blood of Jesus for the sins of the whole world. And for the offer of salvation to all who would come and eat at His table. When we gather around this table, we are reminded that Jesus gave His life so that all who would come to him might be saved. Our responsibility is to carry this message to the world. And it's God's willing, loving, grace-filled responsibility to bring about the salvation of men, women, boys, and girls for all who call upon his name. At this time, our deacons, a group of our deacons are going to come forward and We're going to observe the Lord's Supper. I want to say a couple of things. Uh, First of all, the Lord's Supper is a memorial meal. It's a reminder of what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. The second thing this morning is just a reminder that, that the Lord's Supper is reserved for those who are followers of Jesus. If you're a Christian, please join us in partaking of the Lord's Supper. But if you're not, please abstain from doing so. And instead, what I would encourage you to do, It's to take this time as an opportunity to reflect upon the fact that Jesus Christ died so that you might have forgiveness for your sins. And rather than taking the Lord's Supper today, I'm going to ask you to please consider taking Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He is ready and willing to save you and to give you brand new life. We gather around the Lord's Supper. We regularly and usually read from the book of 1 Corinthians. And the Apostle Paul teaches us how it is that we are to observe the Lord's Supper. And so in chapter 11, verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And so what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to take this bread that has been set aside for you, and I'm going to give thanks over it. And then our deacons are going to pass this out to you. And once you have received it, we'll take time uh, together to um, read and to take this, this bread. Join with me in a word of prayer. Lord God, thank you so much for the bread of life that is Jesus Christ. Just as you gave bread to the children of Israel in the desert in the wilderness, Father God, so too you've given us the bread of life in Jesus Christ to redeem us from death. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Bible says that after Jesus had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Bible says in the same way also, he took the cup after supper. So we're going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to pray over this cup, and then these men will distribute it among you, and then we will take it together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. The shed blood of Jesus. Your word teaches us that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. I so thought it was necessary that Jesus might die so that we might live forever. Thank you for that love and willingness in Jesus' name. Amen. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Bible goes on to teach us that as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you, man. We know that from the gospel accounts of the very first Lord's Supper, that after they observed the Lord's Supper, that they sang a song together and they worshiped the Lord. So this morning, we're going to take time to sing together and to worship the Lord. During this time, I would invite you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, perhaps today, for the very first time, you've seen this memorial, been reminded of the sacrifice that was given for you, the shed blood of Jesus and his broken body. Today as we sing, I'll be standing right here and I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus Christ. But it's possible that for some of you today, as we've talked about evangelism and about sharing the good news of the gospel, you recognize that You found yourself in a period of time where you've been a lot more interested in sharing your own views and your own desires and your own uh, things rather than sharing the good news of Jesus. Or perhaps you've just not been active at all in telling others about what Christ has done for them. If you'd like to pray this morning, you're more than welcome to do that. Perhaps you'd like to pray right in your seat, however it is that the Lord's at work in your life. Just know we we welcome that, and I'd love to pray with you in any way that I can. Please stand with us as our musicians come forward. I'm going to pray for us. Lord God, thank you so much for Jesus Christ who died for us. Lord, please help us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.